TGI Sunday. I love the reality. Good morning. My name is Derek, and I have the privilege of preaching this morning. And um, what an honor and a privilege it is to get to share a message like this on Resurrection Sunday, on Easter Sunday, on the day that we get to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. A historical fact, a fact testified to by 500 people saw Jesus arise and walking around. It's not a negotiable, it's a fact. Friday, Jesus dies in the way the Honorable Reverend Lockridge spoke he said about speaking about Jesus is dead, and I believe that allows us to become sons and daughters. He's rejected, we're accepted, he's abandoned, we're adopted, he's stripped naked, we're clothed in, clothed in righteousness. I believe that's what the psalmist meant in Psalm 30 when he says, there may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. It's the difference between Friday and Sunday. This morning's message is going to be the difference between Fridays and Sundays. If you go to work tomorrow or on Tuesday or whatever day you go to work this week coming, and you say somehow that church thing Sunday is a little bit more important than Fridays, you've missed the point of my preach. I'm not speaking about the literal day Friday. Can we settle that now? Amen. Somebody's still going to get it. <laughs> I, love, I don't know if you've read it in the scripture. When the, the soldiers go and they wanted to make sure Jesus was dead and they cut his side open in John chapter 19, it says, but when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs, which is also part of the prophecy. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. Nothing in Scripture is accidental, and nothing that Jesus did wasn't just by happenstance. This was so intentional. Can I tell you what happened in that moment? What makes that moment so significant? Genesis 2:18. Then the Lord said, It's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper suitable for him. So the Lord caused, this is verse 21 in chapter 2 of Genesis, so the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he, he took one of the man's ribs, a part of the man's side, and then closed up in the place, that place with flesh. You see, we see in Genesis 2 where the side of Adam is opened up, and his bride comes from that place. I believe in that very moment as Jesus is hanging on the cross that fateful Friday, as his side is opened up, that's where the church is birthed. It's in that moment that he's going, that's, where, that's why we are co-laborers with Christ. We are suitable helpers with Christ. It's this whole building up. There's nothing accidentally in Scripture. It's all building into this moment where Jesus has died. And he, in that moment, the church is birthed. But why the resurrection? I, I, I think it's easier for us to sometimes understand why he had to die. He was the lamb without blemish, who, the one who knew no sin. He becomes sin for us, and he pays the price. And he pays the price for my sin and my depravity and my, just my derricus. I think we can get that, that he needed to die, pay the price. But why the resurrection? And this morning, I just want to look at it really quickly. Why the resurrection and why it's something that we have to look at? Why was the resurrection essential? I believe it was essential because it was prophesied and it was foretold. I'm going to start in Hosea, 700 years before Jesus was born. It says, come let us return to the Lord, for he, he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us, and on the third day, he will raise us up that we may live in his sight. It's kind of this third-dimensional, fifth-person third dimensional view, sorry, fourth dimensional view of looking at this picture of Jesus being torn, but it's the Father and the Son having this discussion. You know, He has torn us. It's the Father speaking to the Son, and the Son saying, He has torn us. It's Jesus acknowledging this is the Father's will. It's prophesied 700 years before Jesus dies on the cross. Saying, well, that's cool, but what? Let me get to it. 
Jesus as well, in John chapter 2, um, the, the, uh, the guys were selling all these unblemished, sorry, these blemished animals in the temple. Jesus goes, he's really mad, he gets upset, he overturns the table, he challenges them. And the, the religious leaders say to him, on whose authority do you get to do this? And this is his response in verse 19 of John 2. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. And they replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple. <laughs> You're going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. And after he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus has spoken. There's something about the resurrection because it was foretold. It was coming. It's something that had to happen. Then it happens. And I think that's the response we need to have. We believe what the scriptures say because Jesus rose from the dead. How does that affect me? I mean, it's great and because he, he was raised from the dead. One day, so will we. That's great. But I believe this is the pivotal point of this whole story. It's the fact that Jesus said he would be raised from the dead 700 years prior to that. The whole story of the Bible is about Jesus' death, the resurrection, this love story of God. So if God says something, Jesus proves that no matter how ridiculous it may seem, no matter how impossible it may seem, if he has said it in the scriptures, he's going to do it. The fact that Jesus said that he'd be raised from the dead, the fact that it was foretold, the fact that it was prophesied, and then it gets done, needs to allow us and force us, compel us to go, if he said it, he's the kind of God that will do it. If he's promised it, it's going to happen. If it's in the word, it's mine, it's for me, and I can bet my life on it, because Jesus literally did. So we have to become people that are so full of the word that we have a promise to stand on. And not the, kind, the type of Christians that, oh, my life's in chaos. Quickly get to Psalm 150. Let's get to Psalm 23. The Lord's my shepherd. He needed to be your shepherd from the very moment you gave your life to him. He's not a consultant. The Lord's my consultant. He advises me when, I, when it suits me. Because that's when we wander off into ridiculous places. Then the wolves get us. And then we have this response, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he goes, I'm here. Yeah. In Psalm 23, when it says, his rod and staff comfort me. We all want God's staff to be from here. I don't know, Florida would be a good distance that he can reach us. So we can do whatever we want and he guides us. But a staff is something that's short. He wants to be our shepherd, but he wants us to rest and lean completely on the word of God. He wants it to be our rudder. He wants it to be our sails. He wants it to be our ship. Everything we do must be the word of God. And if you have a prophetic word spoken over your life by someone that goes against the word of God, that was a false prophet. Ditch the word. Well, how do I know if it's real? Read the word. Well, the pastor said, I don't care what he said. If it's against that, when I, when I do this, I'm speaking about God's word. I'm not talking about iPads. It's holy. But um, I'm speaking about, when I point to this, this is God's word. You with me? Okay. If he promised that he's going to do it. Why? Because we live in that reality of Sunday. 
If we were still living in the reality of Friday's, like, I don't know if he's going to make it. Jesus is dead. Things are a mess. I don't know what the future can look like. If we're willing to change our minds to live with the understanding that I'm living in a position, a disposition, the reality, it's Sunday. Amen. Just look at the person next to you and say, it's Sunday. Put your war face on. I don't know what your war face looks like. I have the kind of face that I get children to behave with this face. I get adults to behave with this face. Look at the person next to you. It's Sunday. Okay, try not hiss as much. That just makes it weird. This, no, don't hiss. This is what it says. I'm going to run through a whole lot of scripture. We ready, Debbie? Psalm 145 verse 9, the Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. That's mine. That's my scripture. Isaiah 40 verse 29, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. That's mine. If I'm weary, it's Jesus that I'm going to lean on. If I'm weary and exhausted and I lack power, it's God. How can I trust him? He was raised from the dead because he said he's going to be raised from the dead. He was raised from the dead. I'm going to lean on that power because what day is it? Deuteronomy 31 verse 8, the Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. If you feel as though God has forsaken you, that is in your mind. It's a lie. If you're feeling discouraged, you've just lost track of who your, who your king and who your savior is. You've just lost a bit of focus. Shake it off. It's Sunday. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8, and God is able to bless you abundantly. God is able to bless you abundantly. But just a little bit. No, so that in all things, at all times. Do you know what that Greek word means, that word all? It means all. <laughs> Having just enough that you need. Able to. Why do we ever have fear? How can I possibly? It's because I'm living with a Friday mentality. We've got to shake off the Friday mentality where we allow fear to grip us. My device has the setting, and I'm sure yours has as well. If you, if you move it around very aggressively, it says to you, are you in distress? Do you need help? <laughs> I'm waiting for it. We have notified the EMT. There seems to be a problem. I love this. Romans 8.32, he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? You can't make this stuff up. If he was willing to give us Jesus, why do you think he would withhold the call that he has placed on your life until you perform like some little monkey to please him? He's not calling you to perform. He's calling you into submission. And submissions this, Lord, I am nothing, I can do nothing without you. But Lord, I'm, I'm open to an adventure. Let's do something. I challenge all of you, pray this evening. Lord God, I'm brave. Let's go on an adventure. If you watch our prayer meetings grow. <laughs> and then John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I believe that. I see evidence of it. It's everywhere. But I have come to give life, but just enough. Then why do we live with that mentality? Why do we live with the mentality of, my God shall supply all my needs, but I have lack, so I have fear. My God will come through for me, but it's not enough, so I need to fear. 
If I understand this reality, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief is very good at his job. But Jesus said, I've come to give life and life in abundance. Can I believe him? Life in overflow, excess flowing from the cup into the saucer, flowing in excess that my life becomes a blessing to others. Can we start living in that? Because that's a Sunday mindset. We need a Sunday mindset. I want to encourage you, if you're facing something that looks impossible, go, oh, wait, I'm looking at it with Friday eyes. I need Sunday eyes. I need Sunday glasses. You know what that is? That's the Bible. Hang on a second. What does the Word say? How God is able to bless me abundantly. All right, so that bill's not paid. Lord, I'm fascinated by what you're going to do. So then in all things at all times, this month, next month, 10 years' time, he's able to do it. Lord, I'm sick. Well, maybe we, start, we need to start getting frustrated with the enemy and start reminding the enemy to stop speaking to us with the Friday language and start, we start speaking to him with our Sunday reference. Friday. Friday is the frantic, fearful, foolish feeling. I don't want to run away with the Eps, but it's this, this fear-consumed life. Sunday needs to be the spirit-filled, son of God, sanctified, taking territory mindset. This is not a motivational speech. This is me telling you who you are in Jesus Christ. This is me telling you what he did on the cross. This is me reminding you what the word of God says. And if you fill your life with the word of God, whatever the enemy comes with, you'll start identifying, that's a Friday thing. Fear is a Friday thing. Doubt, that's a Friday thing. I think doubt might be Saturday as well. I don't know what Saturday was like for the disciples. But we need to get out of that. We need to start living with a Sunday mindset. With a Sunday mindset, my children serve the Lord Jesus Christ. You go, Pastor, they don't. With a Sunday mindset, my God has promised me, Proverbs 22, verse 6, raise your children in the way they should go, and even though they wander to a far land, they will return. That is my Sunday mentality. That's what I rest on. I keep on praying and I keep on trusting. But I think part of our prayer life has to become, I'm a Sunday thinker. This is good. This is good stuff. I'm preaching well. You need to listen better. I want to read two parts of Scripture. It's from Mark 16 and Luke 24. I've put them together because each part references this event differently, but they tie in really well. If you'll bear with me. Mark 16, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him. They were the original Spice Girls. <laughs> I put that in my notes, I don't know why. Very early on, it's when, I, it's when I'm doing sermon prep really early in the morning, I'm thinking, this is genius, and then I read it, I'm going, it's the, it's the coffee talking. And early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to, one an- saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. Luke 24, verse 2, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. When they, sorry, while they, while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but has risen. 
Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee? It's one of those, remember what he said. What he said is true. Everything he's promised he's going to fulfill. So I want to ask you this morning, why do you look for solutions among the dead? Why do we look for all the answers we need among the dead? I don't mean the physical dead. I mean, why do we look for the solutions and the answers and the problems in our life with people that don't reference Jesus Christ as the, as the solution? And I'm talking about immoral relationships. I'm talking about taking the advice of people that are unsaved. Going to counselors that do not counsel you to draw closer to Jesus. I love counseling. I believe in counseling. It's, 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 it's very valuable. But that person needs to be pointing you to Jesus Christ all the time. That person, if they're not pointing you to Jesus, they're just pointing you to themselves, and that's going to be a mess. Why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? Why are you trying to find your solutions at the bottom of the bottle? Why are you trying to find your Your solution to your marital problems is not divorce. Any more than the solution to a headache is cutting your head off. It's good stuff, this. It's good. Why are, you living? Why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? The answer to any problem that you have, his name is Jesus Christ. And I say that with the authority that he's given me because I preach the word of God. I'm saying this to you. He is the solution. Every bit of fear, every challenge, every aspect of your business, I promise you, there's a solution found in Jesus Christ. But this is the wonderful part. We get to do this in partnership. We get to do this in fellowship. We get to do this together. Even as these Spice Girls went looking for Jesus, they got to do it together. It's in fellowship, but it's pursuing Jesus Christ. Uh, I've, I've read of the men, the giants in the kingdom, that when you'd go and visit them and you'd have a problem, they'd say, let's open the Bible and see what the Bible says. Yeah. It's not psychology. It's spiritual. Yeah. We need to stop looking for all our solutions in the environment where the dead is being kept. The solution to your sadness is not the next relationship. The solution to your sadness is not alcohol or pornography, immorality, or any other addiction. That is the dead. Do not look for living solutions among the dead. Do not think that he is not able to roll the stone away. So often we, we, when the ladies got there, the stone had been rolled away. They were worried about something that had already been taken care of. How often do we worry about things that God's already got a solution for, but we're just not looking up and seeing what He's done already? We're panicking about the next relationship. We're panicking about our future. We're panicking about our, our finances. We're panicking, how are the kids going to get to college? What's going to happen? What about my grades? What about my health? And God's going, I've taken care of it as long as you keep running towards me. But... The reality is that sometimes we're going to face things. I need to put this in there. We're going to face things and God may possibly not have the outcome that you're expecting. I believe the biggest part of our faith journey is accepting that whatever the outcome is, I trust Him. It's, it's, friends, this is not going to be, let's say this prayer, this is the solution. I'm living in the Sunday mindset, therefore everything's going to be okay. Bad things still happen. We live in a fallen world. But I live in the hope and the faith in Jesus Christ that he will work all things for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Are we living out his purpose so that we can claim that scripture for ourselves? Yeah. 
<laughs> so I just, I'm thinking of the stone being rolled away. I don't know if you remember that TV series. That do, it was like a home makeover show. And, and then they'd revamp the whole house. And uh, then that, that guy that was really hyperactive, and he had spiky hair, and then he'd stand there and wait, he'd say, Bus driver, move that bus. I reckon we need to get into that mindset. Angel of God, move that rock. Move that thing. Living with a mindset of whatever needs to be moved, the, the solution is on the other side. We can become so focused on the mountain and having so much faith for this mountain to be moved, while you're waiting for the mountain to be moved, keep speaking to it, because that's what it says. It's not faith that moves the mountain alone. It's having the faith to move it and speaking into it. But get off your chair. Because we're sitting on our deck chairs. I have faith. Now you have laziness. Now I've got faith. I've got faith. God's going to... Get up, go, attend the prayer meeting, come to church, worship Jesus, speak to people about Jesus. You keep doing what you call to do, and he'll do what he's the he's just amazing at. What you cannot do, he'll do. But what you're supposed to do, he's not going to do for you. Even David had to pick up the stones. <laughs> Bus driver, angel, move that stone. Our response to living with a Sunday mindset, what should it look like? Matthew 28, verse 6. He's not here. He has risen. As he said, see the place where he lay. I love it when they go and find that spot. I'll carry on reading now. When they find that spot where Jesus was lying, it says, and his face cloth was folded to the side. I love that. It, it was a sign that the master would show the servants that I've stepped out for a moment, but I'll be back. An actor in a movie, he used that phrase, I'll be back. That's where he got it from. He's scoping Jesus. I'll do the accent so that we'll remember. But that napkin on the side... Just echoes into eternity. I'll be back. <laughs> That's what it meant. As they step in there, verse 7, come and see where he lay. Goes on to verse 7. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I've told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and joy. I love this, with fear and joy. Great joy. And ran to tell his disciples. This is our response to the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ on Resurrection Sunday. Go. Go. Go quickly. Go and tell the others that Jesus is risen. Go and tell the others. Go, who's the others? The neighbor. I went and spoke to my neighbor yesterday. Went and met him. And um, I invited him to church. And I did my happy face. I smiled. I shook his hand. I got to know him. It was wonderful. I invited him to church. And uh, he, he told me why he couldn't make it. I'm good with that. But he's going to get an invite again next week. And he's going to get an invite. He's going to come to church. I don't know what's going to happen, Steve. <laughs> he's going to come to church. Because this is my reference for Sunday. This is what we do. Because the word of go, 
I go to people wherever I have an opportunity, and I go and tell them that Jesus Christ is alive. He's, been, he's risen. I have the solution to your eternal problem. It's Jesus Christ and Him crucified and raised on the third day. I have the solution to mat- no matter what you're facing. I have the solution for you. And this is the reality. It says go and tell them. And go, and they went with great joy and fear. If you're not scared, you're not pushing boundaries. This thing should terrify us. I'm going to go and speak to someone. I'm going to say the wrong words. They're going to end up at the mosque by the time I'm done speaking to them. No. They're going to meet you, and you're going to be nice to them, and you're going to speak to them, and it's going to be fun, and it's going to be real. And, and, and you know, the word says that I will put words in your mouth. Literally, God says, I will put words in your mouth. But you need to go. And it doesn't matter how much fear you have. And it doesn't matter what's happening in your heart. And it doesn't matter what, how it's gripping you. It's we need to go. We have to move into the place of going. Are you going anywhere? Or are we just scared sitting at home? Or are we just scared sitting at the office? We need to go. I've heard people use COVID as an excuse. Can we stop? Can we stop, please? Oh, I used to do that in COVID. I used to breathe, then I stopped for a while. <gasps> well, there's another one. Oh, wait, I stopped. <sighs> there's another one. I ate last week. I don't need to eat again. No, these are, it's what we do. Go. Because this incredible story where Jesus appears to these guys and on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus walks to them and he's talking with them. And they don't know that it's Jesus until he says they're having communion and they break bread. And it's when they break bread that they then go, they recognize it's Jesus. The bread represents the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. It's when the world out there has an encounter with the body of Christ that we start seeing people recognizing Jesus. We call to go. We call to go. You call to go. It's not my job alone. You call to go with fear, but there'll be great joy. You call to go. I no longer live in fear. I no longer live with the mindset that it's, I cannot do this. I live with a Friday mentality. I don't live with a Friday mentality. I live with a Sunday mentality. Sunday says, I can. Sunday says, I will. Sunday says, the kingdom will expand. Sunday says, I'll operate in the gift. Sunday says, Lord, if you're with me, who can be against me? Sunday says, next Sunday, I'm bringing my friend. You're going to think, oh, this is a bit weird. My friend's going to get you, and then the guy with the bald head's going to shout at them again. I will. If a friend brought you to church today, don't be upset with them. They did that because they love you. But I say you this morning, friends, it's Sunday. Let's start living that way. Let's pray. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and your kindness, your unfailing love. Jesus, thank you for the price that you paid for our sins. While while everyone's eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I'm going to present this to you. There is no other way that you can be saved from your sin. Behaving, doing good works, righteous living, trying to do everything. That does not save you. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ, 
Jesus of Nazareth, who died on a cross and paid the price for your sins. Then he rose again on the third day. He paid the price because he loves you that much. Jesus not, did not come to this world because God is that ap- upset with us. He came because he loves us that much. Jesus displays this incredible love on the cross. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm not going to embarrass you in any way. But would you raise your hand if this morning you're making the decision, I'm asking you this morning, if you're making the decision to publicly confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, I won't call you to the front, but I'm going to ask that you raise your hand so that I can pray with you. Where you're at, I'm not going to embarrass you. If that's you this morning, will you raise your hand really high, please? Cool. Keep your hand raised. Good. Keep your hand raised. If you're sitting out this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus, and you're thinking, yes, but what will my friend think? What will, what will the person who brought me think? What will those around me think? Never worry about what others will think. You worry about what God thinks. God loves you. But the only way that you can be saved is by putting, by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. I present this to you this morning. He loves you so much. Don't try to fix yourself and then come to Jesus. Jesus wants you as you are. He accepts you as you are, but he loves you so much. He'll see, the ch- he'll see you change. Well done, man. Well done. See your hand. That's good. Well done. I'm just going to ask that those that raise their hands, if you please come and see me when we're done with this meeting. I'd love to chat with you, but we are going to pray together. We are going to pray together. If you're able to do so and it doesn't create any discomfort, I'd like you to please stand with me as we pray. If you're sitting with a little baby or you, for some other reason you cannot stand, I understand. But let's just stand together. Those people that responded and have raised their hands, we're going to pray with them. We're going to pray together. It's not because the rest of us have somehow lost our salvation, but we're going to pray this morning in faith with them as they make a commitment to surrender their lives to our Lord Jesus Christ. Repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. This morning I repent of all my sins. This morning I ask for forgiveness. And I thank you, Lord God, that you are just and faithful to forgive me all my sins. This morning I confess with my mouth because I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ, you are Lord and you have paid the ultimate price. This morning I can say with confidence, I am a child of God. All things have been made new. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you fill me. Baptize me. Lead me and guide me. All the days of my life. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we just honor those that raise their hands and we thank our Lord for his goodness and his kindness. While I...
While I have you all upstanding, we're going to be having communion together. We're going to be breaking bread. You don't need to be a member of this church to have communion with us. You have to be a child of God. For those of you that prayed that prayer for the very first time, that qualifies you to have communion with us. If you are not a Christian, this is the most exclusive meal on the planet. If you are not a Christian, I'm asking that you refrain from having communion with us. This is, this is for those that have surrendered their life to Jesus. We have tables beautifully set up around the sanctuary with a little cup with some fruit juice in and there's a little wafer. If you can make your way there, get the juice, go back to your seats, stand with your little tribes, and I'm going to lead us in prayer as we break bread together. You may be happy. You may speak to one another. Jesus is risen. It is Sunday. All right. I love it when people see each other. In church from up here, it's like watching these long-lost friends reuniting and reigniting friendships. Okay, even if you have the, I mean, you've got your one hand tied up with, the, with a little glass of juice, I want you to take the little wafer and just break it. Just, just, no, make a mess, just crack it. By his body being broken, we are made whole. We claim the healing that comes from his body that was broken. We claim the life that his body gives us now in Jesus' name. Let's eat together. If you could just take a moment before we drink the juice. Just allow the Lord to speak to you in this moment. 
the people that you need to forgive or the grudges that you need to let go of, is there just something that you have to deal with in your heart? Just really, just check it in your heart right now. It's a simple prayer. Lord, is there someone I need to forgive? If, you, if a name pops up, just, Lord, I forgive them. And I want to remind you, friends, forgiveness does not mean that what the person did to you is okay. It just means that they're no longer going to have the power to affect you. They no longer have the power to influence your thoughts and your responses. Set them free. Lord, I, I forgive them and I set them free. Jesus, because your word says that if you forgive others, the Father will forgive us. And we stand here this morning, we drink this juice. Thank you that you have washed our sins away and that we are free. Let's drink together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. We honor you, we praise you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We're going to have the ministry team in front here. If you need prayer, there are people that they want to pray with you. They are prayed up. They are ready. They want to spend some time with you. They're going to be in front. The rest of you, please feel free to fellowship. However, if you have little ones that have gone to kids' ministry, will you please get them first? Within the next three minutes, we'll be giving them caffeine and sugar. So please get them and then bring them back. <laughs>